From Cleveland, Ohio, this is the Cleveland Stage Podcast, brought to you by Fog Properties. Flexible spaces, all the right places. Visit FOGG.com for information. And now, your hosts, Tyler Whitten and Ian Wolfgang Hins. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cleveland Stage Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tyler Whitten, along with my co-host, Ian Hins. And we're here today as we say goodbye to the wonderful and fantastic and more than capable intern at Ensemble, Lily Kerr-Young, who is leaving the hallowed halls of her high school. Where do you go to high school? Cleveland Heights. Cleveland Heights High School. Yeah. And moving on to the hallowed grounds of Wittenberg University in southwestern Ohio. Don't go! Don't leave. How will we ever move forward? How did we ever survive without you? I don't know. You do I give us hope, though, Lily. I walked the places falling apart, and I walked in, and I fixed everything. And now there's just a flood outside. Yeah. <laughs> All the problems are now outside. You know, it's not often that interns in theater get the, the well-rounded education you've got here yeah. in an ensemble. You thought you were going to come here and just stuff envelopes. And we were like, we don't even, we can't even afford envelopes. But this is we a sump. a flood out back if That's you right. can yeah. snake that. This is a sump pump. Just attach the hose here. I have many skills now. Going Here's forward. the difference between Doritos and Cheetos. And the donation bowl is here. That's right. This is how you fill out a grant application. Yeah, yeah. the important things. Actually, it's not stuff. incredibly soul-sucking work. No. But you're young. You still have a lot of your soul left. I've been very impressed at how was. nimble you are at those kind of things, though. I was never mm-hmm. that fast. It always took me a very long time to learn how to do that. To very edit, confident. Uh, to edit writing. Yeah, I was never I was never that good. You're pretty good at that stuff. You will make a good theater administrator <laughs> someday. Much better than, yeah. much more capable than Tyler In or fact, myself. In we're pre-hiring if uh, you want to put them on the list. So, let's Thanks. talk. You went Jeez. down to Playhouse Square? Yeah, I went to Playhouse last night. Uh, the Broadway series show was Aladdin, um, and I'm a season ticket holder for that. And, and how was it? It was great. It just made me really happy. It was really silly. Was there anything different about it than, say, uh, the movie? Yeah. There was, they... Um, I mean, other than it wasn't a cartoon. No, yeah. So, um, what made me, like, emotional about it, because I get emotional anytime I see any theater, was um, Howard Ashman died of AIDS right before um, Aladdin really went into production, so he died during pre-production. The film? Yeah. Okay. Um, he had written 16 songs for Aladdin, and sure. three of them ended up in the movie just because the script was rewritten and rewritten and rewritten before they started, like, really animating it. Sure. Um, and Alan Menken, like, went through a lot to rewrite the scripts of the stage musical and get a lot more of his songs in there. So there's a lot more of Howard Ashman's lyrics oh, in great. that. Um, and the... There's characters that are written out, new characters that are written in. Um, so that, it's a different experience. Yeah, it's different. It's a lot of fun. It's very silly. It doesn't make a ton of sense because it was rewritten a lot from the movie. But it's like I smiled all the way through it. Like I just like really had a good time. I mean, it's it. still the gist of like the yeah, genie in the bottle, yeah. and there's the princess. Yeah, and then it's it's. There's what's the main character's name? Ali. Aladdin. Oh. <laughs> Do they have the Prince Ali song? Yeah. Prince All Ali, the songs. Yeah. That's my favorite good one. Good job. It's a good one. <laughs> All the songs that are in the movie are in the musical, and then just a lot more songs. Oh, cool. Um, so how long is the run, the production? 
two hours? Something around that, probably. I think it's a little longer. Um, two acts, one intermission? Yeah, two acts, one intermission. Did you see a lot of kids there? Any six-year-olds? Yeah, there were a lot of kids. They were all buying the teddy bears that I wanted from the... <laughs> so you didn't get a teddy bear? <laughs> no. I controlled myself, and I didn't Aww. buy a teddy bear from Aladdin. But, yeah, I really liked it. It was not, um, like, very thought-provoking or anything. But sure. everybody who was part of it, everybody on stage really was happy to be on stage, and you could tell. And uh, it, it it seemed like it was lovingly made, which was it, it just was a lot of fun to watch. Because when people want to make something, you can tell, and it's nice. That's my review of yeah, Cool. So of all the plays that you've seen there, because you said you have season tickets, so yeah. of all the plays this season, which was your favorite? I really liked Waitress. I had more fun at Aladdin. I had the most fun at Aladdin of anything because it was very, like the, the script was very cheesy. So it was just silly and fun. Um, but I think my favorite was Waitress from the Broadway series. Is that Sarah? Yeah, Sarah the Sarah Bareilles musical. Um, based on the movie, the indie movie, Waitress. Cool. I started listening to Natasha Pierre and mm. The Great Comet of 1812 really again. Is that. that going on the road? I don't know how they travel that. It's, it's crazy. I know it's in Japan have right you, now or something. Have you yeah. looked at the set for it? It's the, they put the audience like, it's just all, like in and around yeah. seats and stuff. And it's like, Is that the Broadway or is that the original crazy. production? I think well, the original, original production. production was just like in a, the circus tent, essentially. Yeah. yeah, the Broadway show they like had to recreate sort of the feeling of being as much as they can, I imagine. Yeah, and so it was. It's it's crazy. You should look at pictures of it. It's yeah, insane. I have. It's great. I would love to see that on the on the tour. Yeah. What else did they have in this series? Waitress was the first show. The humans. Do you like the humans? I had mixed feelings about it. The songs were lame. Was there <laughs> was there a couch in it? There was a couch. Yeah, you have that. There's two levels. Yeah, it's modern American theater. It has to have a couch. Apparently, there is, is the that thing. the rule? <laughs> I I didn't make the rule. I'm just observing the rules. Yeah. That where should these plays be set? Not in a living room with a couch. Yeah. So it can be set anywhere and be the same play. Is that what you're saying? It can be set in a room without a couch. Let's say they did. <laughs> let's say it's they the do. Couch. Let's no, say they do um, Virginia Wolf, but it's like at a campsite. Great. I would actually probably go see that if it, even if it had a picnic table, I'd still go see it. <laughs> but the same words. Same words, I'd go see it. Okay. Good. Because I'm, then... I'm sending my new play at a campsite. But but I'm just saying, I mean, the Albi estate might be a little upset about that. You said, yeah. You've taken <laughs> the couch out. This is not Shakespeare the never that was says really <laughs> about them where they're setting all of his plays. This is not the original intent. This play needs a couch. How yeah. else are the actors going to run into it if there's no if couch? There's no couch. <laughs> I got hurt on a couch during Noises Off. See? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> it was... Okay, so is Noises Off like a an exception to the rule since it's kind of a set of a set? The set in Noises meta. Off, every piece meta. of the set in Noises Off is important. But I, I'm, my character was supposed to fall Challenge over accepted. the set, <laughs> uh, the couch, yeah. like head first over the couch, and somebody left a teapot there, oh. and they were supposed to leave it somewhere else, and they got... Right in the face. You played Brooke. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also hit my head three times during that show. Because not even because of the script. It was just, 
I'm not. It's, it's crazy. Not a show. farce unless somebody gets a near concussion. Yeah. <laughs> no. So somebody dislocated a finger during oh, a show. Oh my goodness. Oh, um, and Where then I was doing. prison performance group. Oh, actually, I I was also on the couch. I was doing like sit ups on the couch in the script in the show, and I leaned back and I hit my head on the floor. Uh, you don't remember much. And then I don't remember everything. It hurt. It wasn't great. So, <laughs> coming out of a high school performance program, Where, right? Yeah. What is it that you hope to learn or accomplish in college? I mean, what's like, what is your goal? What is it that you want to do when you study theater moving forward? One of the big things I want to do is stuff besides acting. Because I think in high school, you don't, unless you are like, I really don't want to be in this show. You don't really get the opportunity to do other stuff like directing or design anything. Um, so I'm going to do that. But I'm mostly just excited to work with people who are equally as driven or motivated mm-hmm. as me. Because I think for for high school students who really care about it, um, it's hard to find like a, like a large group of like-minded people who really just want to do what they're doing Mm -hmm. yeah that's the big thing i think not that that heights what is it that you that makes you driven what is it that make that that makes other people driven what inspires you yeah um i don't know i just i grew up around theater and i it makes me happy i'm very um detail oriented and and i really love the amount of detail and work and passion that goes into theater that 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 sort of thing doesn't go into a lot of other even art because it, it's so collaborative and it requires so many people and it's live and you have to do it over and over again and i don't know there's so many pieces of it that that it's just so interesting and like exciting to me and i really enjoy that and I, I just, I tend to be a little neurotic and, like, really try to get as much done as I possibly can and, and really do more than anyone asked me to. Hey, that's a good thing, though. Yeah, I hope so. So, so why, so you're, you've been a, a theater administrative intern. Why administration? So you like the art, artistic mm-hmm. side, acting and directing. Why? What, what about administration appeals to you? I like the idea of being able to sort of have my own theater company someday and and have my own sort of mission statement and and build something completely out of that and i think that it's also it's the part that people think the least about is Mm. the the administration like it's the stuff that i know the least about and it's the stuff that i wanted to see the most because it was like i i didn't i didn't know how to do the more like technical aspects of it um so being able to see like how a budget works or like how you make money or where all of that stuff, um, mm-hmm. it was something that I hadn't, I didn't know a lot about before, and like I still don't know that. Much. So are you ready to run away screaming yet, or <laughs> I'm ready to take over ensemble? You can, you can have it. All right, this shit is open. Tyler and I will be at the bar putting bay. Lily is now in charge. No, um, it was actually it was really nice. Because, like, it's something that I've thought about for a long time is, like, starting my own theater company and being able to see that it is possible. Like, it's clearly a lot of work, but it's not impossible. It's more tangible. I think that was cool for me to be able to see that. Yeah, you have to love it. That's for sure. Yeah. 
That's for sure. Well, you've been a great intern. Thanks. And I think you have a bright, bright future. So thanks for all the stuff you did. I think your time's up here, right? We're supposed to leave at 3 o'clock? Yeah. This is it. What do I got to sign for you? Typical typical internship. I got to sign this. It has Celeste's name on it, but that's just because that's what my other paperwork is. All right. I will sign this for you. This is going to be like the ending of Three's Company or Cheers when we watch... Lily, walk out the door. Will you turn the lights out on your way? <laughs> Except we have to finish fashion. the... All right, let's do it. So there goes Lily, our uh, our intern. Lily, our intern. We'll miss her. Poor thing. All right, so what's next? We're closing out our 38th consecutive season. That's of right. Producing American.classic.plays. <laughs> dot theater. <laughs> and the Clee. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, we did. We finished. We closed uh, Angels in America, Part Two, Perestroika. Um, just this last weekend, it was, audiences was loved it. Audiences man. loved it. It was great. I, was I really think good. audiences may have loved it more than they liked the first one. Even an audience loved the first one. Yeah, I think they liked the the second one better. I think it's a funnier play. Yeah, I, I reading it. I like the structure and I like the kind of just what the first one is. The sure. first part is. Yeah, but from a from a wa- a watchable standpoint, boy. Part two is really watchable. Yeah, it's it, better on the stage than on the page. Yeah, for sure, which is kind of rare, I think. But it, it was I was pleasantly surprised by that. And I thought Celeste did a really nice job in the second with the second part and and fitting it into um, the the design components mm. that we had carried over from part one and refining them to really help. I mean, I thought part two really flowed. Yeah, it's, it, it felt it, streamlined. Yeah, it was like three, I mean, what, three and a half hours, roughly, yeah. including the intermissions. Um, but it didn't feel that long, and that's always a really, really, really good sign when a, a play of that length just kind of flies by. Yeah. Um, and, and also the, credit to the cast. The actors were um, maybe the best ensemble I've seen on stage. You know, the Iceman Ensemble was really good as an ensemble working together. But I think one of the things that was really great about this project and something that I've been telling people about is, you know, they started rehearsing in November. So these actors have really been had been working together from November all the way through this weekend, May. You know, and that is such a – and there was a break in there, obviously, between the two parts, but – you know, when you have an opportunity to run a show with the same cast for four weeks, then you, then you take a break. You start – and then you go through a whole other rehearsal process with the same cast. Right. And then you work with them again for another four weeks. I mean, by the end of it, it's just really – the back and forth, the the timing and just how they cared about each other on stage, I think. It's unique. Yeah. I thought – I'd never really seen anything like it and I thought that was really the coolest part of the whole project in a lot of ways was just how um, seeing what that ensemble can look like, right? Like what, what, you know, that was always one of the questions that I had always, I always had because of the way we kind of cast modern shows, right? We have an ensemble, we have core actors that we work with, but very rarely do those core actors get to work together on the same material. So intensely, so intensely for such a long period of time. And I could, I can completely see what it must've been like when you would do these, you know these touring productions, and you know, in the back of a of a of a cart or something. You right. know, with the same people living together and working together for such long periods of time. And uh, you know, but this it, Angels in America is even different because it's such an intense drama, right? Like, 
you know, you get you get these tours, and very rarely do you get a tour uh, of this kind of depth and length mm-hmm. and scope. So, uh, just hats off to all the actors and the and the directors and the costumers and uh, Kyle and Jana who worked backstage. I thought really did a great job. You know, they just came in and they did their job and the they, unsung heroes. If yeah, they did it. They they did it really well, and you didn't notice they were there, and that was the whole point of it. So. You know, I thought, and and it was even like, uh, you know, when you span a production from, I mean, the first part opened at the beginning of January, yeah. and this part closed at the end of May. It was funny to think about, not funny, but it was interesting to think about uh, the outlier logistics, maybe that you don't necessarily think about, like for example, the change in temperature and humidity, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, and the effect it had on the yeah. stage, yeah. Uh, and the uh, rolling carts that we were using. Yeah. Oh my god, we got to readjust all this stuff now because yeah. the wood's expanding or yeah. whatever. Yeah, you know things that you don't never ever 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 have to deal with. Well, and now you're dealing with because you're essentially doing the same play over the span of you know five or six months. Yeah, and the stagecraft I think changed a lot from part one to part two. Mm-hmm. We didn't use as many uh, rolling carts, and I think it was just a function of how Celeste. Uh, kept the, the the story flowing, and um, just really focusing on the actors, you know, and and it was also because we had done it before, so we kind of already knew what the work, you know, what the things we wanted to correct from yeah. part one were, and we were we had enough time to implement that, I think, uh, which was really really great. I I just I was really impressed with the whole the whole thing, and and so many I mean so many great. Uh, comments from from audiences mm-hmm. i can't remember a play that's had that many you know really positive yeah positive feedback uh emails and just things on on social media well and so, the play ends on a on an uplifting note of sorts it does very much so. yeah which i think <laughs> very much so yeah. i think is rare yeah yeah i was talking to scott esposito who you know um played prior and and he was saying the exact same thing. He said, you know, in this part, and really through the whole thing, you know, in this part, you're you're there for almost three hours yeah. <laughs> of kind of going through hell in a way, right? And, and and then at the end, it's this way of saying, you know, but there's still hope for yeah. people and, and what we're trying to do. And we're going to make it through and that everybody is, you know, fabulous creatures, as he says. It's a... It's just a real pause. I mean, to make it through it too, and it, uh, a marathon like that, mm-hmm. you know, of of from a production standpoint, just from producing it was, uh, boy, I don't know if I'm going to do that again anytime soon. <laughs> All one and two handers from here on up. One set, ninety minutes. I don't know. That might be too yeah, long. We're not doing it in ninety minutes. It's, it's, everything's a one act. <laughs> but they, you know, I I think everybody that saw it really liked it and i think it's one of those once in a again once in a lifetime kind of things that you do for everybody involved so i think it's great and i think it was a great way to uh end a season that you know when we announced the season back in april yeah uh Everything changed about two weeks later. (laughs) It really was about two weeks later, yeah, with the space. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think it was a – the way that the play literally ended, uh, I think it was a nice button on a season that uh, nobody had expected 
in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. A lot of the things that were kind of going on outside of the actual theater. Yeah. Uh, to where we are now. Yeah. And where we're going to be. Yeah, and we're looking forward to that. The future is bright, which is our benefit that's coming up here on June 2nd. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be more than a benefit, really. It's more of a celebration. Um, it's a chance to celebrate being able to stay. <laughs> stay in the building and, and stay in the community and, and uh, continue all the work that we've done for the last eight years, you know. And I think looking ahead, it's it's we're kind of just coming out, you know. We're just kind of peeking our our head out a little mm-hmm. bit and, and seeing what those possibilities might finally be. Um, this last year was really, really difficult um, from a focus standpoint because so much of it was was put towards, you know, what's the future of, of Ensemble going to be from a location standpoint and what does that mean for the organization? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was crisis mode there for a while. And to still be able to produce a, <laughs> a production like Angels in America. Well, I mean, both the productions. Parts, yeah. yeah, yeah, but I mean, specifically Angels because it's such a, ma- a massive undertaking in general. Um, to do it and for Celeste and, and the actors and the, and the crew to do what they were able to do with it, I think is... Nothing short of miraculous in a lot of ways, and it really speaks to the testament of what um, what this theater is, and what people in this community will come out and support us. And I, I you know, I, I can't thank them enough for that. The amount of support that we got this last year. So come on out to the benefit on the second June second and celebrate with us because we got a great season next year, also called. The future is bright. The future is bright. There's a theme here. Got to wear shades. So that's right. So you can wear shades to the benefit if you'd like. But we want to talk about next season. Sure. We announced. We sent the sent the press release out. We announced last uh, next season, and uh, we're we're um, Celeste is announcing one show a day on Facebook. So I oh. think. I think I know Tyler. You've kind of stepped away from Facebook I've gotten away. A- after the Russians had all I've your never. Yeah, after they took all my stuff, <laughs> took all of your information. Uh, my son started calling me comrade. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> but uh, so I think she's and she's you know Celeste. The other day was Lily, our intern, was helping Celeste learn how to retweet things. So she's you know we're stepping in, into that into that and Instagram, which is still a mystery to me, which I. I find it funny because I used to laugh at my parents when they were like, how do I use email? Right. And now I'm like, how do I use Instagram? How do I get my VCR <laughs> to stop blinking noon? <laughs> so, you know, um, but the first show of the season, Alabama Story. Written by Kenneth Jones. Yeah. It's a good play, and I think it's a good play for us to be doing. I think it was a wise choice. Uh, I, I'm excited. Directing it. You're I'll be direct directing it. it. It'll be great. And, and, you know, it's what's it about? Uh, Alabama's story tells the semi-true, it's cold from the headlines, if you will, <laughs> uh, set in 1959, Montgomery, Alabama, or Montgomery. Montgomery. Montgomery, as they call it. Uh, and it talks about a children's book. Uh, very. F- it's actually interesting that the book uh, called The Rabbit's Wedding... Uh, written by uh, Garrett Smith. Sure. Something like that. Garrett Williams. Sure. Garrett Williams sounds right. Uh, who was an actually like a really famous children's illustrator and children's writer 
Uh, this book is a footnote in his career. Yeah, it is, really. <laughs> but it caused quite a stir in the uh, late 50s Alabama in that it just simply had uh, – it told the story of two rabbits, one that just so happened to be white and one that just so happened to be black fur. And they end up getting married at the end of this story, which, of course, the segregationist Alabama caused quite a stir – uh, to one senator in particular who was prominent in this in the play, uh, who you know doesn't want this book in the libraries. Subversive, yeah, subversive as he calls it. <laughs> we don't need no outsider telling our children what to read. Uh, that was my bad. That was Alabama a good one. Ac- That's a good one. Accent. You're not going to be in the play though. So I will so not. not. You're just going to be directing. I will it. be. You know, I, and, and one of the things I think I read about the children's book was he b- actually based the. Um, the illustrations on it on Japanese illustrations. Uh, yeah, it could be. I mean, you know, he says even in the play, and I mean, anybody who knows anything about illustration will tell you that this is true. You know, it's just about contrast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. You're not going to draw your rabbits any different looking, like <laughs> size. You're not going to have a giant rabbit and a small right. rabbit. Uh, you know, it's just about this is just who they here they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's you know he is a prominent character in the play as well. Uh, I think it's a very well written play. It's going to be uh, a lot of fun. It centers around the librarian who fights, of course, to keep the play or the book uh, on on her shelves. She's not from Alabama. She's uh, from in, I think Indiana. she was born. Yeah, she was raised in Indiana, but she had worked. And I think North Carolina uh-huh. and Arkansas, I think, was the other southern state or something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, so. You know, there's a lot of different perspectives. It also has a parallel story about uh, a young black man and a young white girl who kind of grew up together. His mom was a servant on this girl's uh, home. Plantation, you Plant- could say. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> it was a plantation, essentially. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the the young boy when and the girl when they were younger, they got really, really, really close. And the father, the white father, of course, couldn't have that and kicked them out of the house. Yeah. So they, you know, he, that young man now is living in Detroit, so he loses his accent mm-hmm. and comes back, and they kind of run into each other throughout the course of this play. Uh, so, you know, and I think you said something that I thought was pretty pretty astute. Impossible. Observ- observation <laughs> of the play, which is really just about how, uh, you know, innocence can be thwarted and uh, used for your own I don't know, your own ideas, uh, you know, the innocence of this book, yeah. for example, and children's views on yeah. race, which, of course, is not existent, right. and how people can sort of um, hijack those and use them for their own, even political or uh, other beliefs. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons we decided to do this play, too, is it's, it's you know, a big um, love letter to libraries in mm-hmm. a way and to protecting um, – the free flow of information that libraries really do and making sure it's available to, to, to uh, all citizens in a way and to not, uh, and to standing up um, against uh, people that might want to um, censor what, what we're reading and what we're showing even our children, which yeah. is in a lot of ways crazy, but is, is a theme in, in, in this country and a theme, you know, in, in a lot of um, Western uh, you know, Western countries. It's it's a strange thing that we have such open 
ideas and enlightenment thought, but yet we're we're ready to burn a book right. if it doesn't agree with what we think about. So I think that the libraries, you know, this really is a, is a way for us to to talk about how great libraries are, and the and, and the Cleveland Heights uh, University Heights, the Heights Library System, uh, you know, were the ones that stepped in and really saved. Uh, the Coventry School and 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 the park and the Peace Park and playground, and uh, you know they're the ones that that again were a force for for social good in our own lives in in reality. And so I think it's just a great it's a great uh, kind of fit that this play has with what's going on around us, and it's just so relevant. Yeah, and one of my favorite scenes in the play is uh, the woman Ms. Reed, who is running the library, goes ahead. Or goes in front of the state assembly to essentially give them their budget report and request, which, you know, is generally a pretty easy in and out process. And it turns into a, a hearing of sorts yeah. where the senator tries to pigeonhole Ms. Reed, the librarian, into uh, saying, you know, we don't, uh, we shouldn't have influences from other cultures in our libraries, right. using Eskimos as an example. Right. And he's like, you wouldn't need no book about igloos. And she was like, well, you would if they want to know about it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a timely, uh, it's a timely play. Kenneth has been in contact with us and we've been sort of creating a dialogue with him about the play. He's obviously and rightfully so proud of the play. It's been done across the country uh, and I think we're proud to be carrying that torch yeah the Ohio premiere of it and uh, you know he's been extremely generous with his time mm-hmm. and I, I think it's it's only going to help the production moving forward so yeah. and that's going to be in September so we're starting the season early first sure. week of September so so get your tickets today uh, you can get your uh, you can get your season subscriptions they're on sale so get those um, and we're going to have auditions coming up here, too. So auditions are, right. are, are going to be here in June. So look for that those announcements out there, all you actors. Um, the next play that we got on, on uh, the season is kind of a late edition. We were able to get the rights for it. And, uh, you know, I thought we would give it a shot. Are we allowed to announce this? Yeah, of course. Okay. East of Eden, which was... Celeste put that on Facebook last night. Oh, she did. Okay. Yeah, she, she announced it last night, so... Uh, I mean, the, the press release is out, so it's the cat's out of the bag. Uh, Everybody knows what's out there, but we're just doing it one kind of day gotcha. at a time on Facebook. Um, so East of Eden, uh, it's an adaptation by Frank Galati, uh, who is a ensemble member at Steppenwolf of the John Steinbeck novel. Uh, in fact, a novel that John Steinbeck uh, considered to be his best novel. Um, Oprah also considered it to be his best novel. Uh, when she chose it for the Oprah Book Club, that's or, right. She did, and she actually—it was like the reissue of the Oprah. It, it Book was. Club, it was right? like she says. There's a quote that says, "I had to bring back the Oprah Book Club so that I could share this book with you." I thought, I gotta man, read this book, man. I was like, man, this is brilliant it. marketing. Like, <laughs> who pay? How much did she get paid to say that? But you know, um, and you know, Elia Kazan directed the movie with James Dean oh, yeah. that was based on on the novel. So. As I dug more into what, not just East of Eden, the novel and the, the play, but kind of it's a cultural phenomenon um, in a way because it's an American, uh, an American story about a family and it's that generational struggle um, and Steinbeck sets it uh, in, w- with the archetypal uh, Garden of Eden, with the archetypal first, you know, Cain and Abel. Uh, Adam and Eve, hence the name 
East of Eden mm-hmm. um, story, and and you know it just really there's some great roles in this yeah. in this in this adaptation too. I mean, I think that um, I'm really excited about it. I think that you know a lot of people have actually said, "Oh, that's my favorite novel," which I. You know, not many people have ever said that to me. You know, when you say, hey, what's your favorite book? Oh, East of Eden by yeah. John Steinbeck. And I was like, oh, okay. But, but as it's you the know. power of Oprah, man. Yeah, I mean, it's Oprah. And, and, you know, now granted, they were actors that, you know, could possibly be in the show. So who knows? If- <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not that cynical. <laughs> <laughs> it's suddenly the most popular book in the Cleveland theater scene. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a really good adaptation. And, you know, I think we're really excited about it. Um, from a literary standpoint, again, you know, with the, with our partnership that's growing with the library, and uh, we, you know, the last time we did an adaptation was um, Great Gatsby, and and that turned out really well. Uh, audiences loved it. Actually, it was one another one of those plays that was just the audience response was so strong mm-hmm. uh, that you know we didn't really care what the critics had to say because the audiences were like, "This is great. We love this play." Um, and so hopefully we get the same kind of response for East of Eden. And, uh, I think we will. I think it's gonna, you know, I think it's, it's gonna be a, a beautiful play because it's lyrical and it's, um, you know, literary and it's, you know, it's got all the archetypes that you would want in a, in a play. And, and it centers around this, the idea of, of Tim Schill, which is a, um, an Old Testament, uh, word, a Hebrew word. And, the, and it talks about, you know, when God said, gave gave the commandments, he said, you know, thou shalt or thou do or thou mayest. And so the idea of thou mayest being that you have free will. Mm. You can be good. You can be not good. But that's your choice as opposed to being predisposed to being that way. And, I, and you know, can you, can you kind of um, outlive the sins of your father? Or in this case, your mother, you know, do you, are you doomed? If they were a certain way, are you kind of doomed to be that way? Sure. That, that very Greek concept of, of fate. And it takes this American turn, which is, you know, you kind of have control of your own destiny. You're it's very Steinbeckian. It is very Stein, Steinbeckian. That's, that sounds great. <laughs> I'm going to use that. So there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot around it. Um, there's a lot around the book. There's a lot to discuss around the book uh, and the play and just kind of the cultural significance of East of Eden in general. So excited about that. I think that's going to be great. Um, and then we and then we actually uh, are going to do um, a children, some more children's programming All right. up next. And, and this is uh, in association with... Phenomenon? Uh, yes. Phenomena, also known as the Scheherazade Theater Company. Uh, which got their uh, start last year here. They did uh, a, a new translation of Bertolt Brecht's The Caucasian Chalk Circle. Oh, right. This year they are taking on an adaptation of Around the World in 80 Days, Jules Verne. And uh, it's going to be fun for the whole family kind of <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and I'm really excited to see, you know, to see what they come up with yeah. for this. I think it's a great idea. Uh, they're such they're such talented artists, and I'm glad that you know we can work with them again on the show. It's it's part of our season, and we're doing it in association with them. And uh, you know, hopefully they'll they'll get get some more exposure and continue to grow. And 
and get out there. There's been discussions about uh, touring the the, oh, the programming after it, it premieres here. So it's a world premiere adaptation, and and they're writing it. And uh, you know, I can't wait to see what they come up with. And that's going to be in the playground theater. But that'll be um, that'll be in the the November uh, November early December. Uh, time slot there, right around the, the holidays, so you can bring your your family and there you go and come see it. So it'll be it'll be great. Uh, classics continue with really one of one of my actually one of my favorite plays, and I believe one of the finalists in the play tournament plays. I think it was it was Angels in America and, and oh, a raisin in the sun okay. and a raisin. I jumping in the other play. No, no, and a raisin in the sun, which is uh, a raisin in the sun. Lorraine Hansberry, uh, Celeste. Uh, our executive artistic director is going to direct that. That's going to be end of January uh, and into February, and we're really looking forward to that. Another classic. We're really classic heavy this year. It's almost like our mission. It's like is dot Ameri- classic dot. It, it's American classic. Should just be dot classic dot classic dot classic. <laughs> no gimmicks. www.classic.com. What's uh, what's after? What do we got after uh, Raisin in the Sun, Tyler? Is it Moon for the Misbegotten? It is a Moon for the Misbegotten, I, written I by it. who? That one was written by Eugene O'Neill. Another Eugene O'Neill play. So uh, I will be directing he that. says with excitement in his voice. I will be directing that. I'm actually very excited about this play. Uh, I always approach Eugene O'Neill with a little trepidation, though. It's always, uh, boy. <laughs> this guy. It's like, you know, it's like the scene in Angels in America, that whole, like, wrestle with the angel thing. <laughs> and she's like, just wrestle him. And it's like, I don't know how to wrestle an angel. You know, it's. Kind of how I feel about directing Eugene O'Neill. It's like, well, just direct it. It's like, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know if I could do that. Um, but it's always worked out in the end, so we're gonna try it again. And uh, you know, Moon for the Misbegotten, which continues the story of Long Day's Journey into Night, uh, and Jamie Tyrone. Another uplifting play. It, 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 it there's always hope in, in O'Neill's plays, and I think that you. I think that's one of the keys to, to really watching an O'Neill play and, and making them watchable is you have to be willing to understand what that hope is that's present in them. So, but I think it's going to, you know, it's one of his smaller cast plays and it's also the last play that O'Neill wrote. So, um, it's been done a couple times, I believe. So then we're done after, the, after that O'Neill. There's no more O'Neills. Uh, yeah, that's it. No, I wish. No, I wish. But we have done it here before at Ensemble, but, uh, it's been a long, long time. Sure. So we're gonna we're gonna do it, and uh, we're excited about that. And then we got the new place festival. So how's yeah. that working, Tyler? Well, we're gonna uh, you know continue. The new place festival has been growing every year for the last seven years. Yes, yeah. seven or eight years. I think we we decided. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, and every year we've you know been able to grow its scope and its reach. And this year, uh, you know, we're gonna continue to try new things to keep it fresh. Uh, and whatever. So we're going to be doing a, <laughs> full, pro- a full production clean. of uh, local playwright David Hansen's Two-Hander, The Way I Dance With You. Nice. Directed by yours truly. And that received a workshop production at Blank, Blank Canvas, Canvas last yes. year. David has been developing this play for a couple years now and has done has had a lot of great help along the way, as he said. Uh, so, you know, I think we're happy to finally bring it to, for, bring all this work to fruition. Ah, that's great. With a production. Uh, and we're also going to be... Directed by you. Directed by me. Great. So I'll try not to screw that up. Uh, and then we're also going to be doing uh, evenings of 10-minute uh, play productions 
from our stage rights. That'll group. be exciting. Uh, and we have some local directors that we're going to be using: uh, Chris Bizzub, Sarah Bogolomoni, and uh, Bogolomoni, Bogolomoni, and uh, Chris Courtney, who is also part of our stage rights, but she comes in as a director's perspective. So uh, we're happy to be giving these folks uh, these new plays. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be an evening, I think. Uh, we're going to be doing it Wednesdays through Sunday in April, right after uh, David Hansen's play closes. And I think that'll be a lot of fun. It's a lot of, you know, the festival is a fun month uh, for us. And it's, you know, it provides a nice showcase, I think, for the writers who have been with us for a long time. And there are some new faces as well, which is great. We're uh, allowing people to branch out. Sure. So. That's great. Yeah. All the opportunities. You can come, what, every Wednesday? The stage Rights. Stage Rights Workshop, 7 to 9, Wednesdays, at Ensemble Theater. Mm-hmm. So there we have it. Thanks. Uh, please go on to, you can follow us at Ensemble Clee on Twitter or Cleveland Stage at Cleveland Stage. On t- We'd like to thank our 2018 media sponsors, including Fog Corporate Properties, who can, you can find at Fog.com. Fog builds Cleveland flexible spaces in all the right places. Also, for our listeners in Michigan... Uh, visit Discount Home Improvement for all your home renovation needs, specializing in kitchen and bath cabinets, making quality products affordable for everyone since 1994. It's your money. Why pay more? Find them in Grand Rapids and Muskegon and online at DiscountMI.com. And wherever you listen to the Cleveland Stage podcast, please make sure you subscribe and rate the show. Thank you, as always, for listening. I'm Tyler. And I'm Ian. On the Hi. Cleveland Stage podcast. We'll see you next time.